You're listening to Comedy Central. December 2nd, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. is one of the people who helped defeat Thanos and save the universe. We're gonna be chatting about his new movie called Dark Waters. Mark Ruffalo is here, everybody! (laughs) Also on tonight's show, horses can now fly, how whales can fight terrorists, and Joe Biden is time-traveling. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's kick it off with Thanksgiving weekend. It's a stressful holiday. And not just because your racist uncle is listening to Kanye now, it's also (laughs) because traveling is a nightmare. And yesterday, the nightmare got even worse because not only was it the busiest day in air travel history, but the weather also canceled hundreds of flights. And thanks to climate change, travel is only gonna get more stressful as time goes on. But luckily, luckily, there's a new way to help you calm down. The FAA recently cleared miniature horses to fly. (laughs) But what's it like to have a horse on board? Well, we joined a woman and her horse as they took a flight. Today is a big day. Abrea Hensley is going on a trip with her service animal, a horse. That's right, a horse. Hensley is allergic to dogs, so she bonded with her horse, which she has named Flirty. Uh-oh, Flirty sets off a security alarm. I gotta give the horse a pat down. The airline required that she sit in the bulkhead. It sure was a tight fit. The hour and a half flight had some minor turbulence, but Flirty handled it like an experienced traveler. Get this, not one passenger complained. Yes, for the first time in history, a miniature horse was allowed on a plane as an emotional support animal. And I just have one question. How come the more advanced America gets, the more it looks like a third world country? (laughs) No, because in the rest of the world, we do this. We bring animals on the bus all the time. And then Americans judge us, they're like, so filthy. But then Americans start doing it and they're like, oh no, you see, that horse is a psychiatrist. (laughs) And by the way, by the way, I always think to myself, someone on that plane probably took an Ambien right before the horse boarded. (laughs) And they probably thought they were hallucinating. They're like, whoa. (laughs) Also, do you know who I feel bad for? All the people who are forced to check their carry-on because the airline said it was too big. And then someone next to you brings on a goddamn horse. It's like, I'm sorry, sir, there's no room for your bag on this plane. It's like, bitch, what about Sea Biscuit? <laughs> oh, what's also funny in this situation is that because it's an emotional support animal, you can't complain. You can't complain that it's blocking your legroom because then you look like an asshole, right? <laughs> so all you can do is sit there and you can only do like that passive aggressive thing that white people do. You know that thing where they say nothing but very expressively, they're just like, No, everything's fine, everything's fine. (laughs) Anyway, I think it's pretty cool that airlines now allow you to bring a horse on a plane. Although if you try that on Spirit Airlines, they'll be like, oh great, you brought your own meal. (laughs) Spirit Airlines, you eat what you can kill. (laughs) Moving on to some international news. In London, 
A terrorist armed with a knife attacked a crowd of people gathered on London Bridge. What he didn't count on was all the good Samaritans who would team up to take him down. New details about that terror takedown in London. New video this morning shows those two heroes using some very unconventional weapons to stop the suspect on a deadly stabbing spree. This video showing heroes fighting back, one of them even using the tusk of a narwhal whale. They used fire extinguishers, they used chairs, they used these narwhal tusks ripped off the wall in the heat of the moment. They were determined that it wasn't going to go on, and they did exactly uh, what they had to do. They fought a terrorist with a chair, a fire extinguisher, and a whale tusk? <laughs> you see, this is what happens when a country doesn't have any guns. All violence just turns into a Home Alone movie. <laughs> yeah, even terrorists are like, death to the West, whoa, toy race cars, ah! <laughs> now, apparently, this part of the story is crazy. That tusk was mounted on the wall of a restaurant, and the chef grabbed it, ran into the street to come and fight. Yeah, and I'm just saying, he's lucky that the wall had a tusk mounted on it and not one of those singing fish. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would have been like, die, you ISIS scum, take me to the river. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but seriously, though, man, the people who fought off that terrorist were heroes, uh, you know, and I think it takes guts to be a hero, especially these days. Because if you get famous, everyone's gonna go through your old tweets. Yeah. Like, I bet there were some people at that bridge who wanted to help, but first, they had to delete their old tweets. They were like, hold on, hold on. I gotta delete some stuff first. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, that one's still funny. I'll save it. Oh. <laughs> All right, and speaking of London, today, President Trump is embarking to Great Britain to represent the United States at the 2019 NATO summit. And something tells me the president is in a good mood because he probably heard about this. A new poll shows the majority of Republicans think President Donald Trump is a better president than Abraham Lincoln. The Economist YouGov poll shows just 47% of Republicans think Abraham Lincoln is a better president, with 53% picking the sitting president. In fact, Republicans favor President Trump over every Republican president in the poll, except for Ronald Reagan. Damn, Republicans like Trump more than Lincoln. And knowing some Republicans, that makes sense. You know, they're like, Lincoln was a great president, except for one thing he did. <laughs> now, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about the chin-strap beard. Come on, man. I prefer a clean-shaven man. <laughs> Although, you know, the news reports it like it's a good thing, but if 53% of Republicans prefer Trump to Lincoln, that also means that 47% of Republicans are like, hey, man, even a dead guy would do better than this. That's what that means. <laughs> And you might think it's weird to compare Trump to Lincoln in the first place, but they've both done great things. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, and Trump freed Rudy Giuliani from Area 51. <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. <laughs> the presidential race. There are major developments going on in the Democratic primary, and I'm not just talking about Cory Booker changing his name to Karak Obuka. So, <laughs> let's catch up on the battle for the Democratic nomination with our ongoing segment, World War D. <laughs> there are now just 336 days until the 2020 presidential election. And although the Democrats still don't know who their contender will be, they do know who their contender won't be. Joe Sestak and Steve Bullock have announced that they're both dropping out of the race. And I know, this is huge. <laughs> yeah. Because now it means all the other Democrats can pick up their supporter. <laughs> but 
Even with those two dropping out, there are still 16 candidates left in this race. Because you see, every time a Democrat quits, more Democrats jump in. Yeah, getting rid of Democratic candidates is like shaving an old man's back hair. It grows back twice as thick. I owed someone money, it was a thing. And the newest hair on the back of the Democratic Party is uh, none other than Michael Bloomberg, for former mayor of New York and world's richest Lord of the Rings extra. <laughs> After entering the race only last week, he's already making a big impression. There's another big shakeup this morning in the Democratic presidential race. After months of speculation, former New York mayor and billionaire Michael Bloomberg made it official over the weekend. He has thrown his hat into the 2020 race. After months of speculation, the former New York mayor announcing his candidacy in a video Sunday, a part of a $35 million media blitz. He launched his campaign with the single largest political advertising buy in U.S. history, spending more than $30 million on ads that touted his record as mayor of New York. Wow, Michael Bloomberg has already bought more TV ads in one week than anyone in history. I guess those are the perks of being a billionaire, but he's gotta be careful because TV ads are a great way for getting noticed, but too many TV ads can turn people against you. Yeah, like the first time I saw that Cars for Kids ad, I thought it was cute. <laughs> And now, my life's mission is to destroy that organization. <laughs> Every day. Hey, and, 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 hey, and, 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 ah! I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a good idea. Kids should be given cars, but it's on TV all the time. <laughs> and that's what could happen with Bloomberg, because 30 million, like if you're in, in one of the states that he's flooding with the ads, that's all you're gonna see on TV. Hi, I'm Michael Bloomberg. Change the channel. It's still me, Michael Bloomberg. Change the channel. There's something new this month at Subway. It's me, Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> so, while Bloomberg is making news for how much he's spending on ads, Pete Buttigieg, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and kid who always asks for more homework, is getting attention <laughs> for what he's saying in his ads. Pete Buttigieg has a new kind of position or an ad this weekend that was airing in Iowa about, um, about education. Listen. I believe we should move to make college affordable for everybody. There are some voices saying, well, that, that doesn't count unless you go even further, unless it's free even for, for the kids and millionaires. But I only want to make promises that we can keep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Bernie Sanders supporter, slamming the new Iowa frontrunner, tweeting, this is a GOP talking point used to dismantle public systems, and it's sad to see a Dem candidate adopt it. Ooh, Pete, you in trouble. <laughs> This is an interesting one. Pete Buttigieg says that he supports free public college, but it shouldn't apply to rich people's kids. And in response, rich people said, what the f is a public college? <laughs> is that like a public toilet? I think I've heard of those. <laughs> no, but jokes aside, like this ad is getting a lot of backlash, right? Because Buttigieg has basically drawn criticism from the progressive wing of his party because they argue if the government provides a service, the service should be available to all of its citizens. Right? It's the same way a public library doesn't ask how rich you are before they let you in to masturbate. It's a public library. <laughs> Everyone can masturbate, that's what it's there for. <laughs> now, despite the backlash, Buttigieg's campaign is still steadily on the rise. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris's campaign is headed in the opposite direction. 
While campaigning here too, Senator Kamala Harris presenting herself as a choice to beat President Trump. The New York Times reports her campaign is in turmoil, obtaining a resignation letter from a top Harris aide who wrote, this is my third presidential campaign and I have never seen an organization treat its staff so poorly. That aide, according to the Times, jumping onto Mayor Michael Bloomberg's team. Bloomberg! I guess those ads worked on one person. <laughs> But yes, Kamala Harris's campaign is struggling. And some say uh, it's because she doesn't have a clear message. Others say it's because she put her sister in charge of the campaign. And that makes sense. You should never mix business and family, unless you're a plumber, in which case you have to involve family. Yeah, there's a little tip for you guys. If a plumbing company name doesn't end in and sons <laughs> or and brothers, you can't trust them. <laughs> Something bad happened in that family, you stay away. <laughs> Now, there is one Democrat who seems immune to campaign gaffes, and that's Joe Biden. He's still the favorite nationally, and he's even bought himself a sweet new ride. Today in Iowa, the Joe Biden campaign bus on an eight-day, 18-county tour of the first caucus state, trying to rev up his lagging poll numbers. His new ride, branded in Biden speak as the No Malarkey Tour, he says to contrast President Trump. He is calling it the No Malarkey Bus Tour. The bus tour comes as Joe Biden went viral this weekend when he was caught nibbling on his wife Jill's finger on stage during a campaign stop. Joe, no! No, Joe, bad Joe! No biting. Don't make me get the spray bottle, Joe. Stop that. <laughs> Look, I actually, I actually think this was a cute moment between a couple, right? But, but it would be cuter if it was at home instead of in the middle of a rally. <laughs> that makes it a little bit weird. Like nibbling your wife's fingers. It's all about context. And also, is, is Joe Biden's slogan really gonna be no malarkey? That's your slogan? Yes, we can. Make America great again. No malarkey? <laughs> what does that word even mean? <laughs> like, it sounds like the dish your vegan cousin serves at Thanksgiving, you know? <laughs> it's not turkey, it's malarkey. <laughs> the main ingredient is mold. Namaste. <laughs> so that's the Democratic race as it stands. Two people you don't know dropped out. Buttigieg is beefing, Kamala Harris is tanking, and Mike Bloomberg just paid us $5 million to go to a commercial break. So here it is. We'll be right back. Yeah. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Before the break, we talked about Joe Biden and his no malarkey bus tour, which, unless you're over the age of 80, is a term you've definitely had to Google. <laughs> For more on this, we turn to our very own Michael Costa, everybody, who's actually in Iowa following the No Malarkey bus tour. Michael, you're on the road with the bus. Doesn't the slogan, No Malarkey, make Biden seem a little dated and out of touch? Ah, that's a load of horse feathers, Trevor. <laughs> That slogan is the cat's pajamas, see? And anyone who says different is just screwy in the noodle, yeah. Mike, Michael, why are you talking like that? Yeah, I have to, Trevor, yeah. Everyone, <laughs> everyone with the no malarkey bus is required to talk old timey, you get me? 
So either get on the trolley or Big Joe's gonna take you out back behind Bell's soda shop and give you the old one-two buckle my shoe. What does that even mean? I, I, I don't know, maybe it's a sex thing? I, I... Okay, Costa, but, but why, why is Joe Biden doing this? Old-timey slang isn't going to connect with young voters. Oh, fooey, Trevor. So, <laughs> sounds to me like you hopped up on the moon juice, the giggle sauce, uh, Mike's hard lemonade. I don't, I don't think that last one was an old... Anyway, you know what, forget it. Costa, okay, what if Joe's strategy of old-time real guy doesn't work out? What, are you nutty? Hey, these, these Biden guys ain't no palookas. If old-timey slang don't work, they'll just go further back in time. <laughs> Forsooth, mayhaps the language of the bard shall catapult Lord Biden to Columbia's fad district. Dost thou comprehend the rules, or doth it not pass through the dark skin of a moor? I'm, I'm sorry, did, did you just say I can't understand politics because I'm black? It, it, it's, it's not me, it's my character. Okay, Michael, well, my character is gonna cut your Christmas bonus this year. That's what's gonna happen. Ah, shucks, boss. All this old talk got my head a little topsy-turvy. I didn't mean nothing by it. You know I, what? I, That's I... just a bunch of malarkey. Get out of here, you rapscallion. <laughs> Michael Costa, everyone. We'll be right back. I see you. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an Academy Award-nominated actor who produces and stars in the new film, Dark Waters. Please welcome Mark Ruffalo. Welcome. So nice. Welcome to the show. So nice. This is this is amazing. They don't do that when I go home. What do you? That would be creepy if they just followed you home cheering as you're just walking home. My Welcome kids. to the show. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be so here. So good I to have you, here. man. I love what you do. Thank you very much. I, I love what you great. do. I, I love what you do. Your intellect. Oh, it's it's really you. No, great. This is about man. you, Mark. This is about you. <laughs> Welcome to the show and um, congratulations on everything. I I, I feel like. You know, you were always known because you're an amazing actor, but, but with the Avengers, it's such a, it's such a monumental event. Mm. Like, life changes overnight. Did it change even more when now you were, like, intelligent Hulk? Because before there was, like, no, because now there was, like, a, there was, like, a ship. Yeah. There, yes. there was Hulk, and then there was, you know, Banner. Yes. So you had the separation. Yes. So Hulk was cool, and then you were, like, the scientist, but there was Hulk. Yes. But then you became intelligent Hulk. Now it's, like, your face is on the Hulk. Yes. Kids must have been, like, now you're, like, the Hulk. You bulk. Banner Hulk. Banner Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel that change? It, it was huge. It was, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was smart and huge. <laughs> you, are, you, you you've traveled all over the world now since that. You actually just got back from Tokyo. Yes. Do people recognize you in Japan as Hulk as well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they yell, Hulk, Hulk! <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Hulk in, in Japanese is the same in English. You don't think of that. No, it's not something you think. Yeah, you don't. No. That's, that's properly international. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never thought of that. I, it's, I crossed over. Yeah, you have. 
you should actually just be Hulk Ruffalo now. You should just take that and act. <laughs> you should just take it as Hulk. I walk down the street and people are like, Yo, Hulk! Hulk! Yo, Hulk! <laughs> <laughs> and my son says, Put your hood up. <laughs> Um, it's your hair. You both have the same <laughs> hair. <laughs> this movie, I feel like, is, is a departure for you, but at the same time, in many ways, it's the same theme. You, you're playing a real-life hero in this movie, Dark Waters. You yeah. know, it's, it's a story of, of a lawyer who really stumbles upon a story of, of, a, of a chemical company that's, that's polluting a piece of land that's killing people killing livestock, and it's, it's just like one of the craziest stories. What's even more crazy about it is that it's true. How did you even stumble upon this? Uh, it was actually a, um, it was in the New York Times Magazine uh, by Nathaniel Rich, and it was, a, it was an article called um, The Lawyer That Became DuPont's Worst Nightmare. Right. And uh, I read it, and I, I couldn't believe it. It, it was a horror. And it was probably the biggest corporate crime and cover-up in American history that nobody knew about. With uh, a lawyer that had normally been um, someone who would uh, defend chemical companies, mm-hmm. uh, is, was now in the place of actually defending uh, this farmer that he knew growing up as a boy um, that... Uh, that insisted that his cows were being poisoned by DuPont. It was really interesting to watch because, you know, you see this farmer who doesn't know much about this fancy world, but he reaches out to this little boy who he knows as a lawyer, and he says, hey, my cows are dying. I think something is going wrong here. Can you look into it? And the lawyer discovers a world that you says it's one of the most nefarious stories yeah. that ever happened in America. But when you, when you read through it, and, you know, when you, when you created this film, like, was there a part of you going, although the story seems absurd, it's, it's almost normal? Well, it, it, it's, it felt like a, a story that we keep hearing again and again, where a corporation <laughs> knows that they're hurting um, their clients, that they're hurting the public. Right. Um, their, their science shows them that they're hurting the public and they hide that science and they keep hurting the public anyway. Whether we're talking about opioids, whether they're talking about climate change, whether they're talking about Monsanto and, and glyphosate, whether we're talking about um, fracking and what it does to water, it's the same story over and over again. Right. And I just saw it so beautifully told with this amazing guy, Rob Balot, the guy I play, uh, and he's so humble, and it's so well and thoroughly researched that I thought, wow, this is... <laughs> first of all, this is a freaking horror story. Right. But it's real. But it's also the story of how some legacy corporations in America are killing us, destroying us willfully. They know they're doing that, and they're doing it simply to make a buck. And we see it happening over and over and over again. And now I think we're having a moment where we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. We know it's happening. We know it's happening. 
Um, we see it all around us. We, we, we have a distrust, whether you're on one side of the aisle or the other. It's the same kind of discussion. It's this distrust of this system that is, is um, using us uh, to just drain our pocketbooks and lead us to hospitals where we have to pay for our own health care after they poison us. <laughs> it, it, yeah. <laughs> It's a story that far too many people have had to live through and are continuing to live through today, you know, where corporations have found ways. You saw as the, in the clip we saw where, where the scientists now work for the corporations and we don't know what many of the facts are. From the story, though, you know, you play a hero in the story who, who really is like an on-the-ground hero who just works against a powerful organization to get justice for many of the people who have been harmed. What do you think inspires heroes like this? Because he didn't have much to gain. In fact, he had everything to lose. What makes... So, you have the heroes in the super... Mo- in the in Marvel movies. That, and they're the heroes. You want... You, they're heroes because you want to be them, right? Right. But then you have the heroes in the world that are heroes because you don't want to be them. Wow. They're heroes because their journey is the one that a human being has to make that is like the difficult choices. Mm-hmm. And that's what this man was. And I, what it ultimately was in him was a belief that when people learn the truth, they'll do the right thing. And so if he could just lay it out and, and show them over and over again the facts and, 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 and create a reasonable argument that people will do the right thing, all the way up to the CEO of DuPont, who mm-hmm. he gets to depose in the movie, which is one of my favorite scenes. Um, and he believed in justice. And once he was on that road, it took him 20 years. He's still fighting it. Right. Um, but he really believes that people will do the right thing, and it's, it's that part of him that I think kept him going. You, you end the film, and this is not one of those movies where a spoiler is something you need to worry about, because it's a, it's a beautiful story, it's a powerful story. Thank it's you. really informative as well. But at the end of the film, it, it, it's really strange because it doesn't end with just the regular happy ending, because... He doesn't know, drive away in an SUV. Right, right, the company won... I mean, the company was forced to pay $700 million, I believe, in fines for what they had done. But, yeah. but you choose to end the film with facts in and around how much people have been affected, how many people have been affected, how, you know, widespread this problem is, how many chemicals are in our bodies, how many poisons have been spread throughout the environment. Why choose to end a film like that? You know, everyone would say, no, just... End it in the, you know, in the flashy way, you win the court case, you drive off into the sunset. Why did you choose to end it in that manner? That was a big um, discussion that we had uh, as filmmakers and as producers and as, um, you know, our, our, our marketing and all that. But that's the reality we're living in. And, and what the film does is it asks us to take action. It, it, it doesn't give you a savior. It, we are our saviors. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. There is no one person that's going to do this. And it's time for us now to do these things. If anyone watches this movie, yeah, thank you. I don't think they won't be moved, man. They're definitely going to be moved.
Doc Waters will be in theaters everywhere. December 6th. Mark Ruffalo, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.